This is a very significant day because just a few days ago, on the 4th of September, I was celebrating 34 years being pastor of this church. And... Uh, <laughs> with 34 branches. Yes, sir. So... <laughs> Yeah. So today we are planting the 35th church. So this is significant. Come on, give the Lord a big hand. I've asked God by his grace that in my lifetime we should plant a thousand churches and much more after I've gone home to glory. I ask God for that grace. And I pray that God will grant us that grace. So today, I believe God is moving us into new things. We're not saying this church is not doing what others are doing. I'm just talking about God stretching us in vision. God will always move you to new things. Whether you are a business person, a church person, in your personal life, he's a God of new things. And many people get stuck in their lives because they just don't know how to move into the new. Often people, we get comfortable with the familiar because new things are not easy. New things are challenging. Any new addition into your life is going to demand a lot from you. So I want to speak from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. Isaiah 43, verse 19. It reads as follows. Behold... I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Can I hear an amen in that place? Let me read it to you in the contemporary English version. It reads as follows. It says, I am creating something new. There it is. Do you see it? I have put roads in desert, streams in thirsty lands. Can I hear an amen? amen? This prophecy, when it was brought by Isaiah, came at a very critical time of the children of Israel when they came from captivity in Babylon. These were people who were in slavery. Things were not working out. Everything was going south in their lives. God was speaking to them through the prophet Isaiah, trying to give them hope, to tell them that he would deliver them. You see, throughout the Old Testament, you would see a pattern where God's people would always wander away from God and not do what God told them, and as a result, end up in captivity because of their obedience. But then God being who he is, he would always bring deliverance to them after the people have repented and they have cried. In this chapter that we are reading today, God speaks to his people who are at a very low ebb in their faith. God is trying to inspire in them hope by assuring them line upon line that regardless of how difficult things are, I will release you out of captivity. In fact, in verse 14, he says to them, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer. God takes on a different title to tell his people that I'm not just a God who heals, 
I'm not just a God who is there. I'm not just a Yahweh, the great God, but I take on the title of a God who redeems. God is a God who redeems and buys back and brings back things that have been lost, stolen, or taken away. So he presents himself as the Lord, their Redeemer. In essence, God is saying, not only will I redeem you, but I will take it upon myself as my office. It will be my business to redeem you. And God then, for a while in verse 17, reminds them what happened to their fathers in the wilderness. He said, in case you don't know who's talking to you, let me remind you of what I did for your fathers. When they were in Egypt, when they were in bondage. Let me remind you of the chariots of Pharaoh that I drowned in the sea. Let me remind you of the, all the wonders that I performed in Egypt. And the children of Israel came out of Egypt, the great exodus, and I brought Israel out of Egypt, drowned the Egyptian army. And, and even if all those things were amazing things, water from a rock, manna from the sky, quails from the sky, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. God said, even though what I did blew their minds away, you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> Tell your neighbor you haven't seen anything yet. I know some of you, you are seeing great things in your lives. You are seeing God having done great things in your family. But I'm here to tell you, you haven't seen anything yet. Oh yeah. If what God has done in your life is good, God is saying, I'm going to do something that is gooder in your life. You haven't seen anything yet. And God says, even if what you have experienced, you think it's impressive. You haven't seen anything yet. God says, I'm about to do a new thing. Then he says, I also want you to forget the things of old in verse 18. He says, forget the things of old. Celebrate what I did yesterday, but try to forget the things of old. He says, in this new return to Babylon from exile, you're going to go through some places. On the way, you're going to go through the desert. But even in the desert, you will see that that desert, even if it's a desert, I'm going to do something that's going to blow your mind. I'm going to make rivers flow in the desert. I'm going to make water come in abundance, streams to come in abundance. So this new thing that Jehovah was in the process of working out would eclipse the old. And for that reason, God says, I want you to give me your undivided and prolonged attention. I'm going to do this new thing. These new things will transform the pathless, the waterless desert. I'm going to make it for you, the chosen ones, so that you can go through in safety and you won't faint. God says, I'm going to give you such an abundant, miraculous supply of water that's going to, as you travel through the desert and return to your country, that he even says, and even the wild beasts, even the serpents and the ostriches and the animals that haunt those arid regions, they will also receive this blessing. I'm here to tell you, God is about to bless you and the remnants of that blessing are going to fall on everybody who relates with you. But God says, because I'm going to do this new thing, I want you to be aware of it. Throughout scripture, God comes across as a God who does new things. Throughout the Bible, God somehow brings new seasons in our lives. There will always be something new God does. Even in your life, God brings new ideas, new ways, new lessons. 
new relationships, new places like Friedenberg. Hallelujah. <laughs> Unfortunately, as humans, we struggle with the idea of new things. Why? Because we love comfort and we love familiarity. I would have loved to stay in Soweto. I would have loved to say, Ekdakni, Ekpolaneti. But God is doing new things. Tell your neighbor, God is doing new things. And because as humans we struggle with the idea of new things, we choke what God wants to do through our traditions. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 15 verse 6, when he spoke to the people of the time, he said, you have made the commandments of God of no effect by your tradition. And my question to you is, do you perceive the new thing that God wants to do in your life? Why? Because God's way of doing new things is not to destroy the old, but to add truth to your truth. Even in doctrine, God doesn't take away the old. Paul, Peter says it, he says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith excellence. Add to excellence knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness. He says, for if these things are really yours and are continually increasing, they will keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive in your pursuit of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ. We should be increasing. We should be knowing more. Because when we increase, we become effective. We become productive. God, like a wise master builder, not only does he lay the foundation, he puts the bricks there on. And he keeps on putting more bricks until the building is complete. Unfortunately, very often, with sometimes when God does something that's great in our lives, we kind of stop and think that's all there is to do. I'm realizing more and more, there's much more that God wants to do. In fact, I'm here to tell you, God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think, according to the power that works in you. Some of you have settled where you are because you are experiencing something good. But I'm here to tell you, God has more in store for you. Can I hear a good amen? You know, ever since we started planting churches, I started realizing how big our country is. And I started counting and calculating, even in Soweto, even if we have a large church, it, it's a drop in the ocean. It's really like nothing. I'll tell you why. Because Soweto has a population of about 3 million people. Yeah, 3 million people. If we were to reach less than 1% of Soweto, we could have 1,000 churches with 10,000 members each. A thousand churches with 10,000 members each. But we haven't even reached 1% uh, of the population. So there's no use for us people settling. There's no use for us being happy that we have churches of 10,000 and 20,000. It's still a drop in the ocean. It's still nothing. Am I trying to inspire somebody in the house? Oh. It's not enough for us to settle and pat ourselves on the back and think that we are there. God says, I want to push you beyond your wildest dreams. The question is, will you be pliable? The question is, will you be responsive? Can you imagine, people, what our world would look like without new inventions? If our world held blindness to new things. Because, you see, blindness to new things is blindness to opportunities. It's blindness to possibilities. Imagine if the world did not venture into new things. 
Not some new inventions that only came into the world in the last 50 years. Just the last 50 years, the world has changed. You know, 50 years ago, we didn't have the remote control. You had to stand up and go and change the channel of your television manual. Today, you just lie in bed, eh? And you just point the thing and it changes. 50 years ago, we didn't have the microwave oven. I was raised in a time myself where we had to make fire. We used to have an old stove called Welcome Dover. Welcome Dover. Anybody know you remember, you know, remember Welcome Dover? Big black stove. We used to make fire out of coal. And, and I was the fire guy because I, I've, got, I've got four sisters. I'm the only guy. So I was the one who was supposed to make the fire. And you better watch the clock now because it takes a while for that coal to burn. So I had to be sure every day, at least by 4.30, 5 o'clock, the latest I have made the fire in that welcome Dover. Uh, but today, you just go over to Woolies and you buy something, hoy it in the microwave oven. Two minutes later, you have a few meal. Somebody say, what a shock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but today, you know, we, we can eat quickly. You can just throw things in the microwave. What a convenience. Few years ago, we didn't have these lights, LED lights. 50 years ago, we didn't have smoke detectors, digital music. When we came here, we were following a GPS. I don't know Friedenberg. Maraja GPS knows Friedenberg. If it wasn't for the GPS, we wouldn't have arrived here. If it wasn't for the GPS, it would have taken longer to get here. So the more you reject new things is the more you delay your progress. The more you don't embrace new things is the more you don't embrace progress. But all oh, there are people who have cell phones, but they don't use the GPS, the GPS app. You know, I remember my mother, at least she used the phone, but I have people in the family, back then when cell phones came in, they wouldn't even try to learn how to use it. Some of the old people. One of the people in my family didn't want to learn how to use a cell phone. They just look at it. Unfortunately, one day they were left all alone with the cell phone. And then it rang. Then they looked at it. What do you do when it rings? Huh? <laughs> 50 years ago, we didn't have Wi-Fi. You know, today, you can, you, you know, today the, way the, the way the market is going... You can have an office anywhere in the world. You can work from anywhere. It's sometimes you don't even, in fact, I think we're getting to a time when people don't even have to go to the office. Did you know something? Okay, I'll come to that. I'll come to that later. But you know, all these new things have just made our life easier. And that's where God is trying to take us. Let me read you this story. It's a true story. You can go and Google it. In 1969, for the first time, human beings landed on the moon. They were traveling by spaceship called Apollo. I remember this. I was eight years old when this happened. They traveled from Earth to the moon for a distance of 356,000 kilometers. And they returned back safely to the Earth. Now, we are told, however, that the technology of the computers for the spaceship is inferior to the technology of the iPhone 6 clock. Yeah, the, the, the cell phone you have in your pocket has better technology than Apollo. Something that took people to the moon and back. 
You have the technology right in your pocket. Look at your neighbor and say, what an aftershock. Not only is the technology better, they say that the technology of the iPhone 6 clock is 32,600 times faster and better than the technology of the Apollo computers. And the iPhone can perform instructions 120 million times faster than the Apollo could. Imagine if I had to come here on donkey's back from Soweto. Because that's how they travel back then. Oh, but I still, uh, I know, I will use a broom, okay? I'll just, uh, <laughs> I'll be here like that. I traveled to Australia some time ago and, 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 and I was preaching there. And it just so happened that there was a funeral that took place at our place of a very famous person. They were using the auditorium, and I was quite curious to know what was going on. And uh, we have two buildings, you know. We have the main uh, building, and then we have an office block on the side, which doesn't form part of the auditorium. So, you know, it was during the week, so people on staff were working. And uh, we had our lady at the reception who was at the reception. So I wanted to inquire something about the, 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 the funeral. So I phoned, and, and she just told me she doesn't know what's going on. And then, you know, I decided, no, no I'm in Australia. Australia. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? I know that we have, uh, we had television there, you know, SABC, CNN, everything. And I thought, not CNN, uh, uh, ETV, and so on. And I thought, no, no, hang on. Why don't I go on the internet? Because probably they're streaming. So I logged on and voila, I could see the service. Think about it. Here I am in Australia. I can know something that's going on a thousand kilometers away and a lady who doesn't want to use technology. <laughs> who is sitting a few hundred meters from what's going on doesn't know anything that's going on. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope you're not like that. thing if you will not embrace new things you'll be left out yeah see when God tries to push your life to another level and you're not going to respond and you will not say yes you're going to be left out throughout the Bible God does new things why because one of the names of God is that he is creator the word create means to call into being it means to do out of nothing in fact, several dictionaries define the word create as follows. To generate. God generates. Or to produce. God is a producer. Or to design. To manufacture. To construct. To make something new. Or to invent something. Note. All inventions of the world were invented, were invented from material that already existed on the earth. There was a time when human beings could not fly. And you know, when someone tried to invent an airplane and some religious people said to him, if God wanted us to fly, he would have given us wings. <laughs> but you see, the Wright brothers, they didn't listen to that kind of voice. 
They kept on experimenting and experimenting and experimenting until they could do what others said cannot be done. Watch, watch, watch. When they did the new things, there was nothing extra that was added from outer space. They used the very material that was existing in the earth all along. Yeah, see, there are many people, and I've seen it, and you please forgive me, I'm not saying any, talking to any of you. But I've seen sometimes when I'm speaking to people, graduates in Johannesburg, not here in Cape Town, you are not the same. <laughs> see this graduate, they're sitting at home starving. And I'm saying, eh! Oh, sorry, I must say, eh. <laughs> and I'm saying, you're starving. Why are you? <laughs> Kiri, you, you're starving and you, you, you say you don't have a job, but there's that woman there who's running a spaza shop who doesn't have what you have. But then, oh, come on now, somebody. Come on now, somebody. But, but when you are fixated on being employed, you have solutions all around you. But because you will not tap into your creativity that God has given you, you are starving. Look at your neighbors not saying amen and say, I know why you are not saying amen. Oh, good I'm servants. Oh, good I'm servants. God is a producer, a designer, a manufacturer, a constructor. He makes something new. He invents something. And note, Barcelona, you are made in his image. There's something about us as human beings that makes us to be creative. It's in you. You've got to release it. You've got to allow God when he says, I'm doing new things. Note, our God is a creator. Number one, in Genesis 1, he created a new planet. <laughs> Secondly, God gives people new names. He changed Abraham from, Ab from Abraham to Abraham. From Sarah to Sarai. Sarai to Sarah. From Simon to Peter. From Saul to Paul. And when God changes your name and does a new thing and gives you a new name, the new name is not just a name. It speaks of a new character. Can I hear an amen? Oh, yeah. God took a murderer called Saul and made him an apostle called Paul. God took a fearful guy called Simon and made him a powerful disciple called Peter. I see God doing a new thing in your life. That those who knew you in your past, when they look at you, they can't believe that you're the same person. That those who went to school with you, who knew that you used to fail, you used to be numberless. When God touches you, he does a new thing. I see God doing a new thing in your life. God says, behold, I want to do a new thing. The psalmist says, thirdly, he says, sing to the Lord a new song. I don't know here in Cape Town, but I listen to a musician since Johannesburg. These young gospel musicians, they keep recycling the music. Soga. They keep singing the old songs. I get so bored. You know, they're doing the same thing that we used to do when we were at school. You know, when I was at school, we used to have SEM, Student Christian Movement. You know, young people. And you know, like anyway, there'll always be top 10 of the music, whether it's in the 
in the secular or in the church. So we had our own top 10 in the SEM. So in the SEM, the format is that people come and give musical items. And so there'd be a long list of five groups or 10 groups that are going to sing. You know, you, know, you already know what I'm going with this because you used to do it too. So one group would come up here and sing how Vazalana Siabonga. We're going to give this song. Let this song is Zunia. You know? Uh, <laughs> my God is alive. God is alive. The other ones are saying, God is alive. 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 So they finish the song. And then the second group comes and says, oh, We thought we were thinking and praying. We thought we will sing this song. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for something new. And here they go, My God is alive. God is alive. God is alive. The first group, the second group, the third group, the fourth group. By the tenth group, I'm up to here with my fuck. You know, I see that with our gospel musicians today. They keep recycling. They are not tapping into the creativity that comes from the Spirit of God. Now, come on, somebody. I know you don't want to say amen. You better say something now. Yeah. But God is doing something new. Tell your neighbor, God is doing something new. Look at your neighbor and say, May God anoint you with a new anointing. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, God makes new creations. It says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. <laughs> in Matthew chapter 9, number 5, Jesus teaches that new things need us to be flexible people. Jesus says, there's no one who puts a patch of unshrunk cloth in an old garment. Why, Jesus? Because the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear becomes worse. And no one will put new wine into old wineskins. See, if God's going to do something new in your life, you better become a new wineskin. Why? He uses that simile because we understand that a new wineskin, because the skin was still new, fresh, it still had oils in it. It had the ability to expand because when you poured the new wine into that container that was made out of skin, if the wine skin is fresh because new oil is eruptive, new oil is explosive, new oil is turbulent, new oil is inflammatory, when you pour it into a new container, as the new oil becomes what new oil is, the container can contain what the new oil can do. But if you are an old, dried up Christian who doesn't want to do something that's new, when God tries to push you where you haven't been before, you want to stay and say, I'm not going anywhere, and you cannot contain what God wants to do. That's one of the most biggest challenges with us as church people and religious people. Now, when I say new things, I'm not talking about spectacular things, something that was never there before. You know, sometimes when people hear us here, they think, no, now we can't just be ordinary Christian. We must, we must be so anointed that we hang from the chandelier and walk on the ceiling. Now, I'm not talking about being spectacular. I'm just talking about a small adjustment. With us, we started with one church, 1983, and God just inspired me to plant more churches. I'd never done that before. And planting churches is nothing that's new to the world. 
When God says I'll do a new thing, it, it doesn't mean he's going to do something that the world has never seen. Mara, to you, it's new. Some of you, a new thing would be just to, to, to go to, just to start a new language and learn. That could be your new thing. Some of you graduate, the new thing would be to try and depend more on your innovation than Ukashwa. Thank you for the yes. You are the only one who understands my sermon. May the Lord bless you so much. <laughs> for us, the new thing is coming to Friedenberg. We've never been here before. Here I am on a Sunday afternoon at 22.5 in Friedenberg. Shabayaba. A boy from Sowe to Nohal. Hey, Bazalan. Hey, Bazalan. Hey, Bazalan. God's going to take you where you've never been before. I said, God's going to take you where you've never been before. You better be ready for the new thing. Don't be the old one skin when God tries to push you. Don't be hard. Just stretch. Somebody say stretch. Any new assignment will stretch you. It will push you into unfamiliar territory. God says I will do a new thing. In Ezekiel 11, verse 19, God talks about how the days comes when he's going to give people a new spirit. He says, I'll give them one heart and I'll put a new spirit within them. I will take out the heart of stone and, and the heart of flesh and I'll give them a heart of flesh. God is a God who gives us a new spirit or a new identity. Wow. Even in eternity, Bazalwan. A time is coming when God again is going to whip up his creativity and do something new. John, when he was on the Isle of Patmos, as he writes in the book of Revelation 21, verse 1, in the New English translation, he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth ceased to exist. And the sea existed no more. So, when God gets a hold of you, my brother, my sister, he starts doing a new thing. He teaches you a new way of talking, a new way of behaving, a new way of relating. He teaches you a new way of giving. He teaches you a new way of worshiping. He's a God who does new things. And God wants us, therefore, to open our hearts to learn new things. In our walk with God, we grow to experience new things from God, but somehow we are afraid. Here we go. Why do people resist new things? Number one, because of disobedience and stubbornness sometimes. Yeah, sometimes even when we know God wants us to do something new, we, we don't want to. Number two, because of the unsettling feeling of stepping into the unknown. You know, they made an experiment. Human beings don't like unknown things. They had two doors. One door was made out of glass. You could see through the door what was behind that door. The other door was opaque. It was made out of wood. You couldn't see what was behind the door. And then they told people, there's great things on the other side of these doors as you walk down the path. You're going to find great things. Choose which door you want to go through. The majority of the people went through that glass door. And as they walked down the path, they didn't find anything. But the people who went through the, the wooden door that was opaque, they found great things there. It was an experiment to show, will people take a chance if they don't know what's on the other side of the door? 
Why? People are creatures of habit. We don't want to commit to something that we are not sure of. Some of you, you travel the world. One of the most unsettling things is to be in a country where you are not speaking the local language. Huh? Like being in Korea and trying to order spaghetti bolognese. <laughs> Jesus. Hey. I've had that experience. And I remember one time I was in one country, I don't remember where I was, and I, I was all by myself, you know. And I, you know, even when you are in the train, some, some of the places, you, they don't translate for you. So yeah, I'm in this train, and the train's going, <laughs> And then you ask for help, and they give you a brochure, and it's written in there, golf sticks and everything. So when you see, you know, you, you, know, you, know, you, know, you don't see. So what happened? I had to learn to communicate. Thankfully, I got to my destination. Then finally, I went to the, I went to the reception of that hotel because the people there could at least were multinationals. And I told them, I said, it's a, it's a nightmare to travel in this place. So I told them, I want to go such and such a place. So they gave me a brochure. They circled the place. They gave me the card of the hotel. They circled the place. They said, you know, and they have these taxis where the taxis at the top, it says in English interpretation there, it's just, it's just a design. <laughs> then the driver comes, then you try to speak to them, they go, oh, oh, oh. So I just took my note, my, took my note, I said, oh, oh, oh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. And he goes, mmm. <laughs> See, when you are in a tight spot, you become creative about making life work. Yeah. You don't, you don't succumb to defeat. You got to make it work. You got to make your business work. You got to make your marriage work. You got to make your church work. You got to make your school work. You got to make your community work. You got to make it work. Make it work. Why? Because you have the creativity of God on the inside of you. But too many people, they have this unsettling feeling. And I want to advise you as South Africans, I really want to advise you, travel. You don't have to go far. I'm so blessed coming here to, the, to, to Cape Town to see that now we have become Multi-language people. We speak all languages. Today they spoke to me in Africans, English, Tosa, Venda. These members were stretching me. The Lord forgive you. You know, they were not considerate. They just came to you. Good morning. So what do I do? I had to do new things. Answer everybody in a new language. Yeah. But many people, they don't want to try something that they're not familiar with. We live in comfort. And here in South Africa, I'm being honest with you, Bazalan. If you go to the rest of the continent, I know there's been challenges in some countries. But you know, one of the things I admire about our brethren from the diaspora is their spirit of courage to travel the world and to make a living in other parts of the world. I know you may not like me for that, saying that, some of you. But I love it. 
that they can, people can come from their country and come to South Africa and make a living. I'm not talking about people who are doing things that are wrong. Make a living in a proper way when the South Africans are complaining, some of them. Yeah. Now your amens are no longer many. But you see, because everything works for us in South Africa, we don't want to go anywhere in the world and we don't think we can survive anywhere in the world. Some of us can't survive without electricity. Yeah. You, 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 you can't survive if you don't have a shower. You can't, you can't. You see, we, we grew up in a day when we, we used to wash in a small dish. Oh yeah. You used to wash in a small dish. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know how to wash from that thing. Small onion dish, you wash. And on Malapaya, you are clean. Mm. Number three, failure to see. If you can't see opportunity, you can't embrace what's new. Number four, failure to move. Sometimes people can see, but they don't, they don't have the courage to embrace new and try something. Number five, fear to look stupid in doing the new things. You know, I love children. Children don't, don't care. When they learn something new, they don't care what your opinion is. See, what makes us not learn is because we know if you learn a new language, they're going to laugh at you when you don't say it right. Oh, children don't care. I know people, a couple that went to France not long ago. Six months later, the children were fluent in French. The old people, they could only go as far as bonjour, monsieur. <laughs> Why? Because children, you, you must watch children. When, when they, they learn, they, they will say it even if it sounds wrong. And they don't care what you think. They'll come to you and say, Tata. You say, hey, daddy. And they go, Tata. <laughs> say, hey, it's daddy. Say, Tata. <laughs> but before long, because they kept on going, Tata, they end up saying, daddy. The only way to learn is to make mistakes. That's the only way to learn. My firstborn son is a grown-up man now. He's quite grown-up now. He doesn't like me to mention his age. I won't. He walked when he was eight months old. You know the boys don't walk that early, but with him, eight months old, the brother was walking. So here he is, he's going. Yeah. And I'm looking at him, hey, Kati, Kati. He's walking, and then he falls. And then he raises his head, looks at me. He smiles. Watch this. He's fallen, but he's smiling. He's not crying. He's not feeling sorry for himself. He's smiling. Because though I walked, even if I fell, the only way to learn to walk is to fall first. Ow! He's smiling. He gets up, looks at me. I said, Kati. Then he walks at that, then he falls. And he smiles. Next time you fail, put a smile on your face. Ah, am I preaching to people in the house? Put a smile on your face. Try again. Start again. God will take you further. Can I hear a shout? Oh, yeah. Don't be afraid to look stupid. Yeah. Preach that sermon even if people don't say amen. Yeah. Start that project. Start that spaza shop even if nobody comes. Keep doing it until it works. I said, until it works. 
I said until it works. I said until it works. Until it works. Don't be afraid to look stupid. So, so, so sometimes we want to look so proper. You know, we don't want to sound funny. Oh, me. I don't care. No. New things, I do them. Mm-hmm. If I fail, I just smile. I let from my side. <laughs> and I do it again. Because three months later, I'll be further down the road than the important person who doesn't want to try anything. I don't want to look stupid at all. Oh. When we started planting churches, we had so many problems. So many problems. Like today, we wanted to start on time. We started late. I'm not happy at all. I'm embarrassed I'm red. But I'm still preaching. We're learning. We're going to debrief. Why were we late? What could we have done better? See, the only way to learn is to start. I'm telling you. The only way to move forward is to have the courage to take the first step. Your first step is your most difficult step. Some of you, you have to break out of the cycle of your family, of people who didn't achieve, people who didn't move forward, people who choked in the process of things. God wants to anoint you with the power of the Holy Spirit that you do what your parents haven't done. You do what your grandfathers haven't done. Can I hear an amen? God wants you to be the first one to finish school, the first one to have a degree, the first one to have a good home. God wants you to be the first one and he's pushing you. He's pushing you. It's pushing you. It's pushing you. Every time you pray, you sense the Spirit pushing you. Every time you come to church, you hear the Word of God, and when you go out of that door, you can hear God speaking to you about something that is new in your life. Please do not say no. Oh, please don't say no. Please don't be cowardly. Put one, the only way to move forward is to put one foot in front of the other. You don't have to take a leap. You just have to take one step. And the Bible says the steps of a good man, not the leap, but the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. I see God ordering your steps in the name of Jesus. I see God ordering wherever you go in the name of Jesus. The Bible says when he falls, he shall not be utterly cast out for the Lord will raise him up. I see the Lord raising you up wherever you're falling. I see God lifting you up wherever you are. Somebody give the Lord a big shout in the house. Woo! Let me close, Basil. And I said we will close at 5 o'clock and it's 5 to closing time. What does new things encourage us to do? Or what somebody calls frontiers? When you venture into new territory, what effect will it have on you? Number one, it will grow your faith. See, see, see when you start something new, you just have to trust God. Yeah. yeah, when I became pastor of church, the church here, as they were saying, 4th of September, 1983, the church was handed over to me and the financial books were handed over to me with no money in the bank. <laughs> 35 people in a classroom. We have more people now in attendance than the first church we started. Yeah. 35 people, no classroom. I was the only person in that whole crowd who had been to Bible school. The rest of the people didn't go to Bible school. We had 11 people who had gone to Bible school who when I became the pastor comrades, they resigned with immediate effect. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because they said between you and I, as the, there's no synergy. Have you said, has anybody ever told you anything like that? Yeah. And I remember 4th of September, 1983, standing to preach, so confused in my mind, so scared in my heart, feeling so inadequate. But you see, you don't walk by feelings. You walk by faith. Yeah. I had to learn to trust God. I had to learn how to believe God, not only for finances, to raise leaders. How do we move that church from just in the classroom to have it grow and go to other places? I had to trust God. And some people think because we are where we are today, it's easier. Hey, back then we used to pay by the hundreds. Today we pay by the millions. Still the same challenge. Doesn't mean when you grow, it gets better. It's still the same struggle. You still face the same fear, except that you are more wiser. Like David says, I was young, now I'm old. And in the process, I've learned something. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Yeah. Doesn't mean we're not afraid. It doesn't mean we have more confidence. We still feel the same way, but at least we know something better now. Paul says, when I was a child... I thought like a child. I understood like a child. But when I became a man, I understood as a man. The only way to get to that level is to start. Yeah. When you move into new things, it will push you to the limits to trust God. Why? Because any new project, people don't believe in it. Even your friends who said they'll support you, they start giving excuses. In fact, sometimes I am of the opinion that sometimes we help people too much. So they become dependent. I knew your amens would go at some point. So instead of people learning to stand for what they said they'd do, they will always come and complain and ask for a handout. I'm not saying we shouldn't help people. But I'm saying we shouldn't overcompensate and make people dependent on us. When we make people dependent on us, we kill the creativity that God has given them. Yeah. You've got to let people. I, I saw that with our children, you know, because we were raised in homes that were not rich, you know. And I'm not even claiming to be rich, but we are fine. You know, we try to oversupply for our children. And so the suckers become too dependent. Sorry, I withdraw. Madam Speaker, I withdraw. I withdraw. Yeah. I mean, I tried one of my children the other day. You know, we had a, one of our remote gates that started, stopped working. So I called our technician. He said, probably it could be the battery. So then I sent one of the boys to go buy the battery. Then I, I was rushing somewhere. And I told the other one, you must go feed that battery. He said, do you think I can? I said, hey, Mun. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, go feed that battery. How am I going to do it? Hey, I'm not going to pay any technician Lily day. How? I've paid enough money already. You must do it. <laughs> With all his confusion, he went and fixed it. When he comes, he's smiling from, from side to side. Hey, it's done. I said, look at you. I said, if it was you, you are so used to outsourcing. Some of you, you are so used to outsourcing and delegating and paying. You become so dependent when you can do it yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, Chwadaman, 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 Pumalapo. Sorry, I'm going to go over time just 
uh, 10 more minutes. Number two, new things or frontiers force us to focus intentionally. When you are learning something, you become so focused. Do you remember some of you who are driving when you first learned how to drive? You were so focused. You held so tightly to that steering wheel, you were about to squeeze the life out of it. Your knuckles were white. You didn't want to hear, and you were sitting like you're going through the windscreen. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? And you didn't want to hear anything. Anybody who talked to you, you didn't even answer. I'm driving. Why? Because anything new, you have to focus. Look at you today. You are phoning this side. You are texting this side. You are WhatsApping this side. Uh, uh, and then you are putting on mascara, eating, drinking, and driving. Come on now. Look at somebody and say, what a shock. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. One of the cures of your life being boring and you going on autopilot is to learn new things. That's why life is not exciting for some people. They never just learn anything new. Scientists will tell you, anything new you learn is good for your brain. Oh yeah. You want to stay fresh and new in life? Push yourself. Read more. Study more. If you have one degree, get two. If you have two, get three. If you have one doctorate, get the second, get the third, get the fourth. Oh, oh, if you have one church, have two, have three, have four. If you have one child, have five, have six, have seven. <laughs> Somebody went, oh. But you see, you see, ah, uh, uh, <laughs> no, 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 please don't add anything to what I said, all right? Let's see, the problem is some people, your life is so predictable. Because it's just a recycling of what you did yesterday. Nothing new. People don't want to read and study. You know the advantage of reading? You can visit countries and no countries and no places where you don't have to pay extra money to go there. You just do it through the book. It expands your thinking. As well. I was telling them in the morning service, I was shocked to hear that in, in, in Zambia, they have a flourishing market for flowers. South African Airways is working with the Zambian people, those who are farming in flowers, and they're sending these flowers all over the world, and it's a lucrative market. When you listen to the news, you will think there's nothing going on in Zambia. So you'll get a picture of Zambia that's so bad that nothing happens here. There's a flourishing, prosperous, a billion dollar market of flowers. And this is what it means, Bazana, even with the work sector. You see, some, sometimes we are so stereotyped about what can bring money. There are certain sectors that don't seem like they have money. Mara, eh? There's a lot of ching ching there. I see people are like this. You see, if I'm not this, I'm not this. But you can diversify. You can enter into things that don't seem like they are lucrative. And you can make a living. I've seen people making a living out of things that you don't even think this thing can make somebody to have a living. But they have more money. They have more money than the guy who has a certificate. Hey, look at somebody and say, what a shock. Oh. 
But you see, the issue is that people don't want to do something new. When you do something new, you will focus. Number three, frontiers will enlarge what you have. Here's a sad scripture. Somebody say sad scripture. It's a very sad scripture. Luke 18, 18. 8, 18. Jesus says, take heed therefore what you hear. Listen to this very carefully. For what whoever has, to him shall be given. And whoever does not have, from him shall be taken even what he has. You know, this scripture is very sad for me. Because you always go to the world, it's, it's kind of strange. It looks like people who are rich keep on getting richer, and those who are poor keep on getting poorer. Now, all things be equal. I'm not talking about unfairness, unfair labor practices. That's not what I'm talking about. But even in the same home, the same community, the same house where the children were raised by the same parents, this one who's prospering keeps on prospering more, and he, he prospers and keeps on prospering, and this one who's not doing well, life is going south for them. And the Bible says that even what he has gets taken. Hey, even the little he has gets taken. Let me tell you the principle. Here it is. The one who has, has because there are certain principles that they have learned. And the more they apply those principles is the more those principles will produce for them. And it is the more they will keep on having because those principles are timeless principles. The one who doesn't have has learned the wrong principle. And there are certain people who haven't learned that if you keep on doing the same thing and it doesn't produce, you better change it and learn something new. There are people, when you look at their life, John Maxwell said it. John Maxwell said, if I can hang with you for the whole day, at the end of that day, if you were to ask me if you will be successful in your life, I'll tell you. He says, because the secret of your success lies in your daily agenda. Yeah. Success is not an event. It's not luck. Success is a journey that's constituted of one decision at a time. Many people, when they make one decision, they don't think what the effect of that one decision is going to be 10 years from that time. They don't ever think. So when things don't work, and things work for you, they come to you when it works, but oh, no luck. <laughs> and it's not luck. It's because 10 years ago, when you decided to study, they decided to party. 10 years ago, when you decided to have self-control, they decided to let loose and let it hang. 10 years ago, when you committed your life to God, they decided to commit their life to something else. They don't realize that their daily decisions led them to where they are. So when you go to new things, it will enlarge what you have. Number four, you cannot learn new things if you allow yourself to be embarrassed. I mean, I remember years ago, we never used to trust Korean cars. I'm telling you. In Japanese cars. And I remember, first time I got a chance to go to Korea, a few years ago, I understood what's going on. Because you see, the Korean people, they've copied all other people's cars. How many of you remember the Sanyong? Sanyong car? How many of you know that the Sanyong was a, was a partnership between the Koreans and Mercedes-Benz? The body was Korean, the heart was Mercedes. 
Yeah, But as they were as they were partnering with others, they were copying. No embarrassment. Just copy. Oh, you don't want to copy. Oh, so when you are an original. Are you trying to tell me that in everything that you are doing, you are do- everything you are doing is original? Ay, sugar. Even your dress code, Mdanasakaya, you copied it from somebody, Chwadaman. Hey! Even the very qualification, remember, if you have a doctorate, when you do your thesis, they don't allow you to code you. You only quote other people and they, they give you an accreditation on the basis of you quoting other people. Original. I sugar, man. If you ever went to school one day in your life and you learned that one plus one was two, that didn't originate with you. That was somebody else's knowledge. Originally, sugar. None of us is original. Now, I'm not saying we must be copycats. But I'm saying the best way of learning is to watch how others do and move on with it. And don't be embarrassed. You know, we were reading in our church, we are working on a constitution. And I asked constitutions from different churches. I've got all kinds of constitutions. And the other day we were reading the constitution of the Lutheran people. And I tell you, I was blown away by the way the Lutheran people, the discipline they put in making people pastors. They don't play, I tell you. You know, when I read that, I said, yo, I know what I'll do. (laughs) Cut and paste. Because their way of training pastors is up, up there. We microwave pastors. We don't train people. We don't take people through the training and the commitment of serving. We just see somebody when they come say, oh, that says the Lord. Yabba, 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 yabba. I see you going to another level. <laughs> the Lord will say unto you, my son, from today, this night, thou shalt be the apostle of Jerusalem in Salem of Judea via Madagascar of Egypt. In heavenly places, ministries. Oh. We are in a hurry to, to bring people up. We don't train them. Somebody said, no, 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 it's copyrighted. You're right. Copyright means my right to copy. You're right. Oh. No. <laughs> That's how children learn. Have you watched children? They look, they watch, they copy. As a result, they are the fastest learners. I feel sorry sometimes when I see we pastors struggle to achieve certain things when we have other people who have already achieved. Why can't we learn from them? Why can't we just go and ask them, how do you do this? How do you do this? What's your secret? Tell me. Can I copyright it? <laughs> but Zalana, even the sermons I preach, this sermon alone, part of it <laughs> is not original. But note, note, 
note. You don't even know that part of it is not original. Note, the Holy Spirit is still blessing something that's copied. Eh? Of course. Don't be embarrassed to learn from other people. Can I have an amen, Basala? In conclusion, only new things establish the future. See, businesses don't grow. Businesses grow not only because they did something better, but because they did something new. I don't know how many of you know the story of the watches we have that are called quads watches or digital watches. The watchmaking industry back then used to have the other watches that are not battery driven. In the early 1970s, what is called the quartz watches were largely circulated. Rather, the mechanical watches and the Swiss watchmakers were dominating the industry. Back those days, if you had a Swiss watch, <laughs> you were happening. In fact, we are told that prior to the 1970s, the Swiss watchmaking industry had 50% of the world's watch market industry. But then it so happens that one of their own came up with a new watch that wouldn't need a spring. You don't have to wind it up. It's a watch that could operate on battery called a digital watch or a quartz watch. They presented it to a fair of watchmakers way back in the 70s and the late 60s. The Swiss people rejected that invention because they said we are so established, nobody will buy the other watch. But then the Japanese happened to be at that fair. <laughs> it's a true story. They took one look at that watch and they started creating their first digital watch or quartz watch called Seiko. It became so successful that this portable watch was used in the 1964 Summer Olympics in Tokyo. The Swiss watchmaker still hesitated. I want to fast forward. As we speak now, we are told that between 1970 and 1988, the Swiss watchmaker's em employment fell from 90,000 to 28,000. Instead of growing, they were dying. Why? Because new things established the future. As we speak now, the Swiss watchmaking industry, who used to dominate the industry, only have 10% of the world's market in watchmaking. And the invention was theirs, by the way. They refused to move. Yeah? They refused to move. I pray to God that we will not refuse to move. Yeah. This is why you see... Companies that were successful, people who were making it, all of a sudden just crumble and fall. One of the reasons was when God was trying to push them to something new, they said, nah, we're established. Nobody has, has monopoly. Uh, new things are coming. As I look into the world today, you can see, you know, things in the world are changing so fast. And the people who think that they will be dominating all the time, 
Don't know what's coming. And the only way, my brother and my sister, to move forward is to embrace new things. Say it with me. I'm embracing new things in the name of Jesus. Say it with me. Heavenly Father, help me to embrace new things. Hold your neighbor's hand, please. Say to them, neighbor, in the name of Jesus, I pray for you that you will embrace new things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah.